Welcome to the Family Alpha Podcast, a place where men, families, and the truth have a voice. The information shared on this podcast is meant to be applied. Now, here is your host, Zach Small, founder of thefamilyalpha.com and co-founder of thefraternityofexcellence.com. Let's get to work. Welcome back to the Family Alpha Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Small, and today I'm solo. No guest today, it's just me. I'm recording a podcast on something that has been brought up a couple times recently from independent sources. So when things like that happen, I try to take note. You know, there's probably a reason behind it. I don't know if it's the vibrations coming off because of Corona and how long we've been in quarantine. I don't know if it's because the election that we have going on. You know, today is the, the national election for the United States. So maybe that's causing tensions, you know, go in the air and so, some some feelings are getting stirred up. But recently I've been contacted by people who've read my story about how I lost my mother when I was young. And I've had several men reach out, ex- not exchanging their story, but sort of relating their story to me to see if there is overlap about how they grew up without a mother as well. And then I had several women reach out talking to me about how or or what men would feel and how they would act and what impact not having a mother would have on a man. And when I would share these several things that I went through, they would tell me that the reason they were asking is because they had just ended a relationship and everything that I had touched on was the reason why. And I was like, man, (laughs) this is coming up. We got to talk about it. So I'm going to dive quickly into my story. A few things I went through and a few things that might help you get over any lingering issues that you may have. And this, this applies to, to men and women. You know, if you lost a parent, you're probably going to be impacted similarly. But I will say I'm coming at this from the perspective of a son. So my story, my parents got together and they had me. And then my mom split. So she took me and she just disappeared. You know, we took off wherever. And I want to say I was, I was two, maybe... Yeah, I'll say too, when she met the man that would become my stepfather and to this day, my father, the man I call dad. So she met him and they had my brother and sister who are twins. So they had them roughly a year later. I'm three years older than them. So let's say I was four, they were one. So fast forward, when I was six years old, my mother committed suicide two weeks after my sixth birthday. So I was a fresh six-year-old. And my brother and sister, who, again, twins, they were three. So it's crazy to think at that age, I lost my mother figure. The person who was supposed to to always be there was gone. And I can't tell you what kind of impact that had. I remember I had to go to therapy. I had to, I had this book and I would have to write about what I felt and, and these different things. I write these different images and I can, I can see them in my head, but I remember when I was a teenager I didn't want anything to do with her, so I threw it away. So I don't have it any longer, but we'll get to that. So I lost my mother, and my father was in the Navy. So with that, he had a naval career. He was on submarines, fast attack submarines at that. So he was constantly in and out. You know, it was a high-tempo life. That's how the Navy is. A lot of other branches, you're, you're, you're on land, you'll go to a few trainings, and then you'll deploy. Well, in the Navy... You're in and out, you're in and out nonstop, and then you deploy. 
the only time you're ever stable is when you're on shore duty or when your ship is put into the yard and they've got to overhaul and do major maintenance and your ship can't get out to sea. So he was in and out and we had to have somebody take care of us. And my father made a decision that, that ultimately impacted my life for the better forever. And he decided to adopt me. And to this day, that, that decision for him, he, he didn't even think twice about it. We, we don't really talk about it. You know, I don't even like talking about how I'm not his biological son. It makes me uncomfortable because he's my dad. That's how I see him. That's just people say like, oh, you look alike. But we don't share any blood. It doesn't matter. When you have that bond with a child, when you have that bond, you know, I was his son and he didn't, there was no, I was the other kid. You know, he should just drop me off and throw me in a foster home. Like, no, he's like, you're my son. So he adopted me and we went to live with my grandmother or my grandparents at the time. I don't know where I was at mentally as a kid at that point. I will say this, and this is going to fast forward the story a little bit. We went there and both my grandparents were there and then my grandfather passed away. And there was always this feeling that I was the different kid, you know, and this wasn't because anybody treated me differently. They didn't but I knew and the only, it's weird. The connection to my father, I was, I wanted so desperately to be his son that I was, I would, I remember going to bed and I would try to will it. Like, I just want to be a part of this family. I just want to be a part of this family because again, I have my brother and sister who are my half brother and sister. So we're blood related, but I had nobody that was true full blood. I didn't have a mother father figure in my life. I, I didn't know my biological father at the time and my mother took her life. So I was this, this kid who had a half-brother sister and no parental figure outside of this man who, again, was my hero. So I just remember going through that process. And there was one night, you know, let's say I was maybe 10, 11. I, I overheard them. They were having a party. My grandmother shared that I never hugged her. You know, my brother and sister, they were very loving. You know, they're, they're, they're twins. They're, they're the coolest people I know. But they're also very affectionate with family. And I'm not. And I think that is the first sign of something being up with me with my way of processing the loss of my mom. You know, I was, I was, I, I was stunted with my emotional connection. I wouldn't go and give you a hug. You know, my grandmother said, you know, I think at that point when I heard this, I was roughly four, maybe five years living in her house. She, she filled the role of mother. She would clothe us, clothe, clothe us. It's a difficult word. She would educate us. She would discipline us. She would feed us. She would bring us everywhere. Like I said, at no point, you know, she was 70 something years old and she, at no point did she just, just kick us to the curb and say, all right, figure it out. It's somebody else's job. Like she did everything and she was a hard woman and it was awesome. You know, she, again, and I want to stress this again, I did not have an experience where I was called, you know, the bastard child or the, the other kid, you know, I wasn't treated like that. I was welcomed by the entire family. So that was not an issue, thank God, because I could see how that could be a big complex. But personally, my development of emotions and attachment to people, it, it, was, it was off. We'll go with that. Now, fast forward a little bit further. My father meets my stepmother. And I believe I was 12 when they got married. And at that point, I'd, I'd already defined who I was. I think she came into the picture too late for me to have that sense of connection. I knew she was a step-parent. Where with my dad that I was young enough to where, no, it imprinted. You know, he knew me when I was two. So I, I was still forming who I was, what my identity was, what the roles of people were. So she came in and she filled that role. You know, she took on a man who had three children. 
again, this is another moment in my life where looking back as an adult, I'm like, wow, I am an incredibly, I was in an incredibly fortunate situation to have parents who one kept me with my dad. And then two, a woman entered our life and she probably felt bad. <laughs> like my brother and sister and I were just like these little hellions. Like we were wild and it was awesome. And it was just how we were. And for her to walk in and just like take that burden on, it's to this day there it's, I think about that. I'm like, why? <laughs> like, that's just crazy, but it is what it is, you know? And that happened. But like I said, I'd already formed my identity. So I, I had, I couldn't say mom. I could not say that word. It was even now just saying the word to, on this podcast, I'm alone in my shed. You know, I've become much more comfortable with it because of my wife. When she had my son, the word mom meant something new. It meant something different. And it was something I could claim. I could say mom. But with my stepmom, you know, she came into my life and they got married. Like I said, I, I believe I was 12. I couldn't call her mom. It, it just wouldn't like I, I could not get that out of my mouth for whatever complex. And this is this is part of the bigger picture. I'm trying to give you the, the foundation as to some later issues I faced. But with that, I never understood or I never had that that sense of coddling or that sense of infinite love that you see, you know, mama's boys have. I wasn't a mama's boy because I didn't have a mama. My brother and sister, they were much more affectionate. They, they would sit and hug my grandmother. They would get that, that fix, if you will. They would get that hit of, you know, being held, being cuddled, things like that. I did not like it. I couldn't do it. And what I found, and this is all looking back and analyzing myself. I started putting that on all of my girlfriends. You know, when I, when I got into girls, I would, I would, I would write like these love letters and I would, treat her girl, like the girlfriend, like she'd be my future wife and we'd be together forever. Because mentally, I think I was trying to so desperately find somebody that could fill that void. And through all the movies that I watched, through all the TV shows, you know, the the, the nice guy, the hero, you know, he, he professes his love and he shows those emotions and then she loves him forever for who he is. And I, I mean, it was it was bad. And I think a lot of men who lose their mother young or at least during their developmental stage have this issue. And this is one of the issues every single woman messaged me and repeated. And again, these are independent people reaching out. They're people from Twitter. They're, 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 they're not connected whatsoever. It's not like they're talking and saying, all right, let's go talk to Zach. Like they are strangers who, when I shared my, my story about what happened to me, they contacted me and they started asking questions about, Hey, like what's, What's this about? Like, why does this happen? Why does my husband do this thing? And I, each person I broke down and now I'm recording this so I can just send the podcast. But that issue of being the mommy wife, I was doing that in middle school. I was doing that in high school. My wife now, you know, and we'll, we'll get to this, but I sort of imprinted that on her. And again, coming from my home, you know, I... I was very emotional. I, I, was, I was in the home and I was a very sports, I was an athletic kid, I was in shape, but my emotions were absolutely everywhere. I did not know how to process anything. If I got mad, I cried and I, I couldn't figure out why. Like anger would immediately respond with tears. And I don't know why any form of confrontation with my parents resulted in me just becoming emotional. And again, I think it was just this development. Like I, something was wrong in my chain of, going from boy to man, you know, there's, there's a break in that link somewhere. 
or there was. And, you know, I've done a lot of work. I'm 33 now. So I've had plenty of time to think about this. <laughs> like some people, when they, when they have quiet time, you know, I remember being on deployment, like just thinking of my life and I'm like, why am I so fucked up? Like, where, where did I go wrong? Why am I, why are all these things the way they are? But I had, like I said, poor emotional control from middle school on, you know, any girlfriend, I would write like these super long letters about how we'd be together forever. And she was the one for me and we're perfect. And it's just all this absolute garbage. It's embarrassing to share this. But again, I'm always telling people be authentic. You got to get it out of there. So I'm, (laughs) I'm, I'm practicing what I preach. I'm taking my own medicine. It sucks. It's like I said, I'm, as I'm saying this, I'm just like cringing at myself at who I was, you know, but that's just a part of it. And anybody else that's struggling or anybody else that's put their, their, their girlfriend, their fiance, their wife in that position, I get why you did it. It's not okay. They're women and women respond the way women respond. They're, they're not dating you to be your mother. That's, that's very unattractive. That's repulsive. And honestly, right before I joined the Navy, like I, I, Jack and I, we probably should have broken up. I had put her in a position where she was like the mommy girlfriend and she was, she would just like, take care of me and like take care of stuff that I wasn't taking care of myself. And I was super sensitive to her. Like you're supposed to have some polarity between the man and the woman, the masculine, and the feminine. And we, we didn't have that. <laughs> I was emotional. She was emotional. You know, I was, I would get angry. She would get angry. We just weren't a good fit. And it wasn't her and it wasn't me. It was, it was just the entirety of how we formed and how we came about. She came across me when I was still in that phase where I didn't know who I was as an individual. And thank God for the Navy, because that's what changed things for me. You know, when I joined the Navy and I went to boot camp, I remember telling myself, like, I've got to change. <laughs> I like the people here, they don't know who I am. I mean, I spent five years in high school and I still almost dropped out. I think in my fifth year, I was ranked, I want to say like 317 out of 322. And I know there were like 10 to 15 special needs students and not like the high end special needs. Like, like I'm talking like the low end, like they needed like serious help and and specialized programs and they were ranked higher than me. And I don't have a learning disability. I've got everything in the world that, you know, that I could utilize, but I didn't, I was so unmotivated. I didn't care about anything. Like I said, I was emotional. You know, all these things, I was the victim. That's another thing that a lot of men develop. When you don't have that mother, you start to use that as your justification for poor performance. I'm angry because I don't have a mom. You should feel bad for me because I don't have a mom. All these mother-son dances, all these mother-son photos at proms, I will never have that. And I had a stepmom. I had somebody that was there and she wanted to be a part of it. And I would just fight tooth and nail for sometimes for no reason. And there were times I would do the schoolwork and not turn it in for no reason. I cannot tell you why, except I think I wanted to fail. I think I I had conditioned myself and and put myself in a mental place to where success was a bad thing. And I'm not supposed to succeed. So I will intentionally throw these grenades in my path to just make it not work. So I was the victim. It wasn't my fault. My mom committed suicide. And guess what they say? When you're exposed to suicide... Now you're at a higher risk of suicide. And I went through these phases with this woman. And when I say this woman, I'm talking about my my mother, my biological mother. As a kid, I wanted her in my life so bad. And then I got older. I was so mad at her for such a selfish decision to kill herself that I I was so angry. And all these, my, my grandmother was, God bless her soul. 
<laughs> she kept all these things for me. She kept photos for me. She kept newspaper clippings, all these things that I, I looking back, I wish I had. But when I found that, I threw it away. And I knew that was the wrong thing to do because when I threw it away, I pulled a lot of the trash out. I hit all the paperwork in there, even the notebook from when I was a kid, everything that she had stored for me, the scrapbook, I put all of that into the trash and I dumped all the trash back on it because I didn't want it to be found. I didn't want it to come back to me because I hated the woman who took her life and put me in this whole cycle of, of being raised by grandparents, of not having a mom, of, of having nobody to, to give me that love that I wanted. So I was angry and then I was emotional and then I was mad and then I was frustrated and then I would miss her again. And then I would try to understand, you know, why would you take your life when you just had, you have twins and you've got a, a, a son who like, I was a good kid. I think, you know, I just turned six and you take your life. And then I'm like, you have to be like insane. So then I played this game of, you know, she was a tortured soul. She was this martyr. She took her life. So she didn't harm me or, or my siblings. And this whole fucking insane story. And I would go through all this, you know, month after month, it was a different story. I was mad that I was happy that I was frustrated that I hated myself that I hated everybody else. It was this sick cycle where honestly I, I couldn't snap out of it again until I hit boot camp. And when I came back from boot camp, like I said, when I went there, I decided I wasn't going to be that guy anymore. I wasn't going to be defined by that suicide. And I, I say up until this podcast, I've said, you know, I was, I was blue pill, you know, I was, I was feminine. I didn't, I didn't embrace my masculinity, all these things unmotivated, but I, I had this ghost following me, the ghost of my mother. And I, I'm, this is happening live. I'm realizing, you know, that, that followed me everywhere I went. It was sort of like a shadow that was over me. I couldn't find the light because I was always, I had a justification to fail. I had a reason to fail. I had all these things telling me why I should be the way I was. And honestly, I was leading towards a, a statistic. You know, like I was saying earlier, when you're exposed to anybody that commits suicide, it puts you at a higher risk because it plants the seed. If you've never known anyone who's taken their life, you don't truly view it to be an option. You know, suicide exists. You know, it's a thing, but it's never a thing you choose. But if you do know somebody who's killed themselves, you do know it is a choice and it does end everything. And I was introduced to that at six. At six years old, you're sort of old enough to know. Like I was telling you, my, my dad was my dad because he met me and he took me under his wing when I was two. My siblings were three. They don't remember my mom. I have flashes. I can, there, there's like pictures that just kind of like pop in my head when I, when I really focus. So there's memories. You know, there's, there's a lot there. You know, to even to the night of the suicide, there are things I remember that I'm not going to dive into, but I, I was there and I, I remember certain things that, that will always be a part of, you know, it'll always be up there bouncing around. But because I knew that and because I was able to sort of process it, I realized, you know, like that's a choice. She ended it. And guess what? Whatever pain she was going through, it stopped. And I, I was never a suicidal kid. It's almost like I wanted to die, but I was never going to take my life. I just wanted to like not be a broken toy. I belonged on the island of misfit toys. I was like the Charlie in the box, you know, instead of the Jack in the box, I was the Zach in the box and I couldn't unfuck myself. And I couldn't figure out like, 
how to become the normal toy, how to be good, uh, a boyfriend, how to, how to deal with girlfriends, how to deal with other men. I was too emotional for the boys. I was too emotional for the girls. It was fucking ridiculous. I couldn't wrap my head around anything. And I was also confident. So there were times where I would flash to this very confident individual who outspoken from the chest. Rah, I was on the football team. Rah, I go hang out with the dudes. And then I would act like a fucking idiot the next day. And like my maturity, like just didn't kick in. So all of this, I bundled all of this shit up and I was like, you know what? I'm not that guy anymore. So when I went to, to boot camp and we were brought to a school, you know, or not a school, rather great lakes where boot camps held. I was like, I'm not that guy anymore. And I just turned to leaf, you know, and I, in many other uh, podcasts and stories, I've shared that. So find those if you want to learn about what pod, uh, boot camp was like. But when I came back from boot camp, you know, my wife, not my wife, my parents and my girlfriend at the time who became my wife flew off to see me. And honestly, that I remember it. We went to like a car museum. We went to a few restaurants like and it something was different in me and I could see her responding differently. She was like, holy shit. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> like I, I'm the man now. Like I got this. It clicked. And from there, I just did me. I found my voice. That shadow left, you know, and there, there were probably some some things along the way I'm not thinking of, but the major overhaul, it was done. So that's my story. That's that's pretty much a, a quick timeline with some bullet points of my story. And that gets me to this. For all the men who lost their mother and, and are going through that and they find themselves having relationship issues and marriage issues because they've got their, their, their fiance, their girlfriend, their wife in that mommy role. You've got to take power back and ownership over yourself. You've got to stop having a wife that you run to to say, hey, look at me. I worked out two days in a row. Hey, look at me. I lost a pound. Hey, look at me. I did this thing, mom. She's not your mother. She's your wife. And guess what? Your wives, our wives, they're women. They act, think, behave like women. Your children have a mother. You do not. You have a wife. And you've got to start acting accordingly. That wife needs a man. She does not need a tall, you know, overaged child. She needs a husband. She needs a man who's confident and competent. One who will stand his ground. One who's not afraid to say no to her. Do you know why so many husbands have so many issues with their wives walking all over them? Because they're afraid to say no. Because you would never say no to your mother. As a kid, you don't say no to your parents. And she's in that role. You've got to take that away. No, we're not going to go out to eat. No, we're not going to spend money buying that thing. No, we're not going to go visit those people. We're going to go do this thing. You've got to be able to say it and you've got to be able to own it because you're a man. Now, I have a program. It's called 31 Days to Masculinity. If you lost your mother, reach out, shoot me a DM. If you're listening to this, you know, through SoundCloud or any of the, the, the platforms, somehow there's a link below through Twitter, through my email. Shoot me a link. Let me know your story and I will shoot you a free PDF. It's a 31-day program that's designed to help you go inside and do all that inner work to fix yourself. It's like a, a quick version of boot camp. It hits you in all the right spots. It has literally helped thousands of men 
and it'll help you start the process of overhauling yourself and becoming a man again. That's how you overcome this. That's how you get over the pain. I don't have any feelings towards my mother anymore. I don't, I'm, I'm apathetic. You know, I'm not mad at her. I just don't care. I have a wife. I have two children. I have two parents. I don't need mom. If that makes any sense, those who get it will get it. I don't need that anymore. I don't need that validation. I don't need that justification. I don't need that excuse any longer. I was able to get over it. And that was, like I said, I have all the screw ups, (laughs) all those trophies of failing. I've got them. I've got the whole case full and I got over it and I dealt with it and it sucked, but I did it and you need to do it. You need to reach out. You need to connect. You need to take back ownership over your life. You need to stop placing your wife or your, your girlfriend or whatever that woman is in your place, in your life. You need to take her out of the position of mother because that's gone. Nobody's going to love you the way a mother would love you. You did not have that in life. And that's just the facts. Nobody will fill that role. Nobody will love you irrationally. Nobody will give you the, the care that you want. That is just life. There are conditions to love. Women are attracted to men. They're not attracted to their sons. They're not trying to have, you know, son husbands. They want a husband. They want a man. Someone who's, like I said, maintains that polarity. You're hard where she's soft. You're the one who gets up when things go bump in the night. You don't cry together. Scared in the bed. Somebody's got to go to the door. You got to stop making her wear the freaking pants. You got to stop making her make every decision like mom would. You got to own your shit, man. So look, I've got the links. You can reach out. You know, if you need to ask one-on-one questions, I'm open for that. You know, if you want to do one-on-one coaching to get yourself truly overhauled and go real deep, I'm open for that. You know, but that first reach out, that free PDF, that's on me. That's free. It's better for you to just reach out, share your story, have the discussion. And if you're a wife who has a husband going through this, you know, maybe share the podcast. I know my demographic with women isn't too high. But if you're one of those women who came across my story and you listen to this podcast, and you're like, man, that is my husband to a T. Shoot him this podcast or shoot me a message or, or a way for me to contact him so we can get this discussion going. Because the longer it goes on, the worse it gets. I, you know, I made it to boot camp at 19. So I had 13 years from when I was six to when I was 19 oh, of like deep digging inside to, to purge out of myself and to fix and to, to spit it out and puke it out, clean it off find the right pieces, put them together and put it back in. I had to take out broken bricks and put in very intentionally placed new bricks. And that's how I overhauled the foundation of who I am today. None of that's possible if I quit. None of that's possible if I don't make that change. So I made that commitment to myself by joining the Navy, but it doesn't have to be so extreme. It's possible, but you have to reach out to get the process started. I hope this podcast finds you well. Please. Don't let the ego get in the way. Reach out. I want to help and I get it. Take care. Thanks for listening. You can join our private men's only community at the fraternity of And don't forget to find Zach on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at Zach small underscore.